Hello everyone, Bobby Wilson here from the TNT College Football Podcast. Glad to be back on this evening. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm here to uh, bring you another installment of my weekly college football chat. Uh, lots to talk about in this episode. Uh, some conference realignment dominoes falling once again. Gotta discuss that a little bit. Of course, got a week one recap, preview of week two, and got to talk about my visit to Western Kentucky. Absolutely amazing time there, and a couple other things as well. And uh, <clears throat> But let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, I think I'll lead off with uh, the ACC editions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU. Obviously, it seems very apparent that the Pac-12 is going to fall by the wayside, which I think was already apparent anyways with only four teams left. But the addition of Cal and Stanford to the ACC, along with SMU, kind of symbolizes that. Um, voted on uh, last week, and uh, obviously, a, obviously a great week for Cal and Stanford. They got two big wins on the football field, both on the road at uh, – at uh, G5 programs, uh, good uh, good wins for them. SMU got a great win, um, so good week for those programs. Uh, but a uh, to say the least, it's it's head scratching, uh, at least for the ACC to accept these teams. I understand why they're being preemptive in the upcoming departure. It seems of Florida State. Clemson, North Carolina, it, it, those three were the three that voted no in this. <clears throat> we've already, we've all heard the uh, Florida State and Clemson rumors and them leaving and the and, and the like, and then North Carolina, it seems as well. Uh, it, it seems that North Carolina State was the one that flipped to approve the addition of Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC. So I understand they're trying to do their due diligence to uh, pick up teams before they lose teams. But at the same time, I think it's a drastic disservice to the institutions that are already in the ACC, in the athletic programs that are now going to have to travel all the way across the country for... Football games, basketball games, you you name it, like soccer, gymnastics, wh- whatever it may be, that these teams now have to go across the country. And I understand that SMU might be added for the sheer fact that they can be like a a destination for all these teams to meet, kind of in the middle of the country to play, which I think is a complete disservice to all those student athletes in those sports. Um, just 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 a travesty really with what's going on i mean the atlantic coast conference now has programs that touch the pacific ocean so uh, or will have programs in 2024 i should say Um, just this all this realignment and the like could lead to the demise of college sports And, and it's so sad as somebody like myself who who was a part of it for so long. Like my whole life, I strived to play college basketball. I reached that point. Then I coached at the, at the college level. And, and it was my dream to do so. 
and now live now living in the college football world which i absolutely love and there's so many tremendous people and fans and it's just an amazing 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 experience but this is not what makes the college sports landscape great especially college football with all these shifts and everything it's it's sad it really is And, and i think that we're we're really going to see, and I hope I'm wrong, but the demise of college sports down the road. I think it's really, really sad what's happening right now. And uh, I, just these student athletes that signed up to go to Cal and Stanford, uh, Stanford is the prohibitive institution when it comes to uh, Olympic sports in the country they win the commissioner's cup for the best athletic program in the united states year in and year out and these students didn't sign up to go to stanford to uh be playing in boston and in syracuse new york and durham north carolina and the like they they signed up to go to stanford one because of the fantastic education they're going to get but two, because, or even look at Cal Berkeley, Oregon, Washington, the like, all the schools in the Pac-12 that are leaving. The, I've said it before. I'll say it again. These, school, these student athletes in the Olympic sports signed up to go to the schools that they're going to. The majority of them, because it's close proximity to where them and their family are, and they want their family to be able to see them play. Now you got to go all the way across the country for your conference games. It's, it's a travesty. It really is. I, I feel bad for these student-athletes because everybody says, oh, it's all about the student-athletes. It's not about the student-athletes because now these student-athletes are going to have to go on a, on a school night, say a Wednesday night. you got a track meet 4,000 miles away across the country. Like, come on. It, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous what's going on right now and nobody's thinking about the student athletes they're just thinking about money and it's it's sad it really is sad um but again i understand what the acc is doing here by adding cal stanford and smu you're trying to think ahead and add teams before you lose teams so i get it i absolutely get it but at the same time i don't like it for the student athletes and and i and i'm sure that this will never happen but how about you pay for these parents now to fly across the country to see their son or daughter play or compete in the sport that they love for that institution since it's all about money how about these institutions pay or even conferences pay for the parents of these players to go see their their son or daughter play across the country. I know it'll never happen, but nothing was thought about when it came to that, that's for sure. So it's a little upsetting. I I think of it as I I have a son, I have a daughter, and I think about I don't want them to have to travel across the country. My son loves golf. He loves golf. And if he's blessed, if God blesses him with the opportunity to be a college golfer, 
I don't, and he goes to say the University of Illinois that I live an hour and 15 minutes from, and he's going to go play at USC or UCLA in LA. I can't go see him play. I think about that. It's, it's not right. It's not right for the student athletes. And it's not right for the parents who frankly just want to see their kids succeed, of course, but they want to see them compete too. And this whole process is really hindering that, that's for sure. So again, like I said, I understand what the ACC is doing, but I just had to go on a little rant there. Uh, with the departure of, of SMU from the ACC, from the AAC, from the American to the ACC, it has been reported now by many that Army is the program that the American is targeting, which I think is great uh, for Army's sake uh, because obviously the landscape of college sports, the shift that's happening, you basically you you have to be in a conference. You you have to be. The only team that might be able to get away with it is Notre Dame. <clears throat> but time will tell if they're going to even be able to do that. So then that would leave, if Army does accept the Americans' offer, which I firmly believe that they will, uh, I, I, I believe that it will be football only as Army and Navy, who is also in the AAC, both compete in the Patriot League in every other sport. But for football's sake, I think it's a great idea. I think it makes sense. The only thing I don't like about it is Army-Navy being a conference game at that point cannot be a standalone game in December because the conference championship games are played a week before that. So you you, would, you wouldn't be able to play that game as standalone, which that stinks. Uh, but at the end of the day, Army-Navy can still play on a neutral site and it'll still be a big deal. But that being a standalone game in, in December there like it is now, is it's a huge deal for those both those institutions, both those programs, frankly, for all of college football and all of America, really. It, it's, a, it's a big deal that that game is a standalone game. And, and, and it's, but again, the, with the world of college football that it's turning into and it's changing to, again, I completely understand why why the shift would come i totally totally get it so i i won't fall army one bit if they make that move and we lose the standalone game bet between them and navy because it would become a conference game uh, which would then lead to umass and yukon being besides notre dame being the only independents left so where they would shift to down the road we'll see i think umass fits in the AAC potentially, but there, and I think we all understand there's more realignment shifting coming. It's not, uh, it's not done by any means. That's for sure. So we'll see where all these dominoes fall moving forward. Uh, look, look, now let me, uh, do something more cheerful. My visit to Western Kentucky university this past Saturday, I saw them play the, uh, South Florida bulls. Uh, first off, I have to say, USF is so much improved. Um, it was really, really good to see that. Coach Golish and, and company are, are definitely headed in the right direction. Western Kentucky is a good football team, and they were up 17-7 to uh, in the first quarter of that game. And uh, USF is going to win some games, let me just tell you. That, that, that team is much improved. I was very impressed. 
Uh, very impressed by their fan base that traveled well. They were loud. Uh, I, I, I give them a lot of credit. They did a great job. Really impressed by uh, the fan base that they had there for the game. And, and again, like I said, I'm impressed by the way they prayed, played. Uh, Byron Brown, their quarterback, ran for 160 yards. I think that's right now third in the FBS after week one, of course. But still, a quarterback, fantastic uh, to see that. Great things moving forward for them, honestly. That's going to be – they're going to have a successful year. Uh, five, six wins could definitely – be in their future but of course i was there on western kentucky's campus beautiful beautiful campus i've never been there Uh, it was awesome awesome experience with some fantastic people i met so many great people um too too many to name just a just an amazing group of fans Uh, it was really really exciting i was blessed uh that uh Hank Wilson, who runs the NIL Collective for Western Kentucky, uh, blessed me with uh, some passes. I was right behind the goalpost. You guys might have saw me on TV catching some field goals. or it was, it was a blast, just an absolute blessing to be able to do that, to see a game from that vantage point. Um, just a, a great group of people there. Really excited to see them moving forward. Uh, Malachi Corley, their All-American wide receiver, went down with an injury. Uh, was out for the he had four catches on the first drive went out with an injury but uh, it's already been reported that he's going to be okay but he was carted off the field came back without his jersey uh, so there was some concern there uh, but it's already been reported that he could play this week so thank goodness he's okay uh, you, you you never want to see anybody get hurt but especially an all-american and then uh, all-american caliber quarterback austin reed first off fantastic human being i was able to meet his parents just a great 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 family i had austin on the show over the summer loved uh having him on talking with him just a fantastic fantastic human being great football player threw for over 300 yards Um, the receiving core probably had six or seven drops so his completion percentage might not have been as great as it usually is but um could have been higher, but that wasn't necessarily his fault with all those drops. But again, great experience there. Western Kentucky won uh, going away at the end. I mean, it was a close game until the fourth quarter, and then WKU took over. But again, a great experience. And, and I, I have to add that when I was a kid, uh, I would my birthday's August 31st, so it was always around the start of the college football season. So every year for my birthday, I would get the new EA Sports College Football video game. And one of the things that I tended to do was, this goes into probably my coaching, my love that I had for coaching and uh, everything. It even started at a young age, you could say. But uh, I always chose an FCS team to move up to the FBS ranks so I could recruit the best players and turn them into a national powerhouse. And, And that's what I did. And I always chose Western Kentucky. I always chose them because of Big Red. I remember watching them play for an FCS. It would at that point it was a one double A national championship, and I remember seeing their mascot, this big red thing, <laughs> just big red guy, and I was just like, "That's really cool." You know, when you're a kid, you see stuff like that, and you think it's cool. So going into that game, 
one of my goals was to get a picture of Big Red of me with Big Red, and and you could see it on my uh, X, my Twitter X account at TNT College Foot One for the podcast, and personally at Coach underscore B Will. I got a picture with Big Red. It was a fantastic experience. He walked right by. I yelled. I yelled at him to come over. I was like a little kid in a candy store type of thing. It was one of those things where I was just, I don't get really excited very often. But uh, for some reason, I was really excited to meet Big Red. It just brought back some great memories of my childhood. And and I was so excited to be able to get a picture with him. I, I've since made it my profile picture. <laughs> and uh, just just really cool to be able to to experience that. But like I said, what what a fantastic environment there at Western Kentucky. Their stadium is LT Smith Stadium is beautiful, and I know that it's about to go over some renovations coming up too. But that's one of the best stadiums in the, at the G five level. Uh, beautiful, beautiful venue. Uh, one interesting thing was that I didn't know was there. A, there's a set of train tracks that uh, that uh, go past the. Uh, it would be the north end zone, I want to say. Um, so <laughs> you're playing, the game's going on, this train just goes by. So it's kind of interesting. I've never seen that before. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but, again, beautiful, beautiful venue. Fantastic people that I was able to meet. Again, too many to name. Just some great, some great people. Uh, I loved my experience there. And can't wait to get back in the future. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, my, it was a it was a long long uh, day. I could I can say I got out got out of work that Friday at midnight. Came home, didn't fall asleep probably till about two in the morning. Woke up at five thirty, hit the road, drove six hours to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Got there at about noon. Hung out with a lot of people, got to see the the topper walk and 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 the players and the band and all that, and got to meet great people at the tailgates, and then went into the stadium, had a great time with all that that experience and everything. Then the game ended, say about seven or so, then drove six hours back home to to be at church Sunday morning. So it was a long day, but uh, as always, these. Uh, these experiences are well worth it. it. It's it's worth every second of every drive that I make to be able to experience it. There's nothing like being at a stadium firsthand and, and witnessing how fantastic the environments are everywhere. It, 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 it's it's never it's never a dull moment when you get to do these. So I, I'm blessed that I was able to attend. It will now be my 10th stadium visit in, uh, for the sake of the podcast as I attempt to attend a home game at every FBS stadium. So 10 down, 123 and counting to go. Obviously going to take a while to complete this, but uh, it's a blessing to even be able to do it. Uh, I thank my wife for allowing me to do it, um, my kids as well and i thank god for being with me during my travels and for allowing me to have fun doing this it's it's an absolute blast and then of course i thank all you fans for the support that you guys give me it's a truly a blessing to have the following that i have and uh shifting to another topic of discussion i want to talk about 
I'm going – this will be my uh, former coach coming out of me. But I want to talk about Brian Kelly and Butch Jones and the comments they made after their, after their losses. Uh, Butch Jones, head coach at Arkansas State, they lost to Oklahoma, I believe it was 73 to nothing. And in his press conference, he proceeded to <clears throat> basically throw his players under the bus saying how they, they, they weren't ready. They weren't focused. They didn't want to compete. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. Well, quite frankly, coach, that comes down to you. It's your job to have them ready to play. It's your job to have them focused. It's your job to do all these things. And quite frankly, maybe your players just don't like you and they don't want to play for you anymore. It seemed rather apparent in that game that maybe you're not the right person for this. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to step away. I, I th th That's one thing I can't stand is coaches throwing their players under the bus. Can't stand it because... It's our job as coaches to uplift our players and to not only uplift them, but to encourage them and give them the, yes, you do need to be hard on them. Absolutely. You need to be hard on them, but it's our job. It's our job as coaches to prepare our players and have them focus, have them ready to go. And for you to sit there and say that they're not ready, that's on you as the head coach. That's on you. So... Shame on you, Butch Jones, for throwing your players under the bus like that. That's not right. And then Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is one of the biggest narcissists on the planet. Um, I I went to Grand Valley State, so I've interacted with Brian Kelly before um, as a member of the basketball team at Grand Valley State. He, he, he's a good coach. He is. But, again, don't throw your players under the bus. He's sitting there in the press conference saying that I don't know who we think they are. Our players think we must be Georgia two time defending national champs. Well, again, coach that's on you to have your players mentally in the right place, have your players prepared, have your players ready because it was very clear and very apparent who the better team was last night. Very apparent. And sometimes, Coach Kelly, you just have to sit there and say, you know what? We got beat. And that's my fault as the head coach. Every game I ever lost as a head coach was on me. It was not on my players. Every win, it was because of my players. It wasn't because of me. It's because my players went out and executed and did the right things and did what it took to win. When we lost, that's on me. As, as a head coach, it's on you when you lose. And if you don't think that way, you are extremely selfish and there's something wrong with you and you probably shouldn't be in the profession. So I, I, I had to react to both of that. And, I, and as a former head coach at the college level, I hate, I hate calling out other coaches because I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to be a head coach at the college level. So I don't want to call anybody out. But when you blame your players – you need to be called out for that because that's not right. It's not right one bit. And, and I can't stand for that. And, and frankly, it, it, it upsets me um, to see that and to hear that because that's, 
again, it's our job as coaches to uplift our players. That's not uplifting your players, throwing them under the bus. And quite frankly, if I was a parent and he was the head coach, I don't want my son or daughter or whatever sport, in this case football, I don't want my son playing for you. That's not right. Not right at all. So, again, I just had to talk about that a little bit. Again, I hate calling out other coaches because I've been there. It's it's one of the hardest hardest professions that there is. I mean, I shouldn't say that. You're not a police officer. You're not a firefighter. You're not saving lives. You're not risking your life. So I shouldn't say it's one of the hardest. It's one of the most mentally taxing potential jobs, I would say, because of the things you have to go through and everything. I shouldn't say it's one of the hardest because it's a blessing to be able to do it. But at the end of the day, don't throw your players under the bus. That's all I got to say. So now uh, diving into week one recap, I'm just going to go over a handful of games. Not, not going to do every single game, obviously. We had a ton of games, great football games throughout the week. Five straight days of college football. It's one of the things we love about week one and all the things that transpire, uh, Labor Day and the like. First off, I'm going to start off with Nebraska being Nebraska. Again, Nebraska has a lead, squanders it in loses on the last seconds it's it's amazing how many close games they have lost it it it, it really is it's almost to the point now where it's just like man like nebraska has one of the most passionate fan bases on the planet and and those fans deserve better but it's like man like how snake bitten are they i mean it, it was not a pretty game, obviously, but their defense played well, and they de- they deserved to win that football game for how hard they played. Minnesota deserved to win, too, for how hard they played. But, I mean, like I said, it wasn't a pretty football game. That's Big Ten West football, though. And, again, Nebraska loses a game at the last seconds by one score. So it, it, it's, it's crazy to watch. Um, then of course you got to talk about Colorado. I mean, let me first say that I was wrong about this team. I will say I, I was wrong because I mean, yes, I didn't know what to expect from this team, but I didn't think this team was going to be very good. Their starters I thought would be good, but their depth I thought was n- nothing. And then I questioned Coach Prime and his leadership and what he could do. I was completely wrong about Coach Prime and this team. Yes, it's one game. It is only one game. But they went to TCU. Yes, TCU is probably drastically overrated. I didn't rank them in my top 25. I put them at number 26, honestly, in my preseason rankings. But still, this is a good program obviously they played for the national championship last year they lost a ton of people but they still were there so what an amazing win by colorado coach prime and the like Uh, first i want to shout out some of his players his son shador sanders throwing for 510 yards in his first game at the fcs level or fbs level sorry I mean, think think about that. This young man is now absolutely in the Heisman race. Throws for 510 yards and four touchdowns. 
I mean, what an amazing performance by him. Absolutely amazing. Was in complete control. And he is a heck of a football player. Then you got to look at Travis Hunter. Plays over 120 snaps. Catches 11 balls for 119 yards. Then you look at him on defense. Has a huge interception. I mean, what a fantastic player he is. What an unbelievable athlete he is. And then Shiloh Sanders, Coach Prime, another one of his sons, 10 tackles, nine solo tackles, led the, tied for the team leading tackles. Then you look at they had four wide receivers with over 100 yards receiving. Dylan Edwards, five catches, 135 yards, three touchdowns. Travis Hunter, already said, 11 catches for 119. Xavier Weaver, six catches, 118 yards. Jimmy Horn Jr., 11 catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. First time in Colorado football history that they had four receivers go over 100 yards in one game. What a performance. But I want to say kudos to Coach Prime. I was completely wrong about you as a head coach. I thought you were an egomaniac, and you, you, you might still be. But he absolutely, absolutely knows how to coach. And he gets the most out of those guys. He ups, uplifts these guys to a complete another level. Unlike Brian Kelly and Butch Jones, who I just mentioned. What, what an amazing, amazing performance by Colorado. But again, I have to first say how wrong I was about Coach Prime. And he, he can flat out coach. And he is going to do a fantastic job at Colorado. I'm, I don't want to go on a, as far to say that they can win a national championship. He was on the Pat McAfee show saying that they can do it. And I, I, I'm not going to put it past him. I, I'm not. Just because of how amazing that leadership that he has is. He'll, he'll win one at some point. That's for sure. That is for sure. I, I'm now a fan. Yes, I, I don't want I don't want to see them playing the like the victim card like they, they seem to be doing. That's a little bit of annoying saying nobody believed in us, nobody believed in us. No, nobody knew nobody had any idea what you guys were gonna be. Nobody did. Yeah, I, I thought they might not be good just because they lack some depth, but I knew they had studs. Obviously, I mean, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter. I mean, there's there's dudes on this team. And Coach Prime, you got a fan out of me now. I, I, I love what he's doing there. And I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. And I was completely wrong about that. And kudos to you, Coach Prime, and, and your football team. You, you're definitely one of the most entertaining stories this season, obviously. And, and I'm looking forward to watching it. So, again, I'll admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong about that one. That's for sure. Uh, shifting now to some upsets that we saw. Fresno State winning at Purdue, making $1.35 million in the process. Good for them. Um, that's a good football team, obviously. NIU, I picked this upset in the summertime. So I'll give myself a little bit of pat on the back for that one. But the Northern Illinois Huskies go to BC and win in overtime, get $1.1 million doing so. Um, the second ACC team that they've beaten in the past three years. So 
good for good good for them. It's amazing what can happen when you're healthy. I was texting one of their one of their assistants after the game, uh, just saying kudos for that win. And uh, he said, "Man, it's amazing what can happen when your team's healthy." And that's a that's a good football team, guys. They play Southern Illinois this week, so they should get that W. Then they host, or then they go to Nebraska. Uh, don't put it past them. Don't put it past them. Get that win. They won in the past there. They could certainly do it again this year. NIU, that's a really good football team. I'm happy to see it. They got really good leadership there. Texas State wins at Baylor. Huge, huge win. G.J. Kinney's first game as an FBS head coach at Texas State, and they win at Baylor. And Baylor and Dave Aranda, man, this week they got a, they host Utah, and their starting quarterback's out for the next couple weeks. Baylor's in trouble. Uh, Texas State got $375,000 in this game, but it was the third game in a three-year in a three-game series. So obviously they got more money through that. I I, I couldn't find the exact figure, but they got $375,000 for Saturday's game. So then Wyoming defeats Texas Tech again. I'll give myself a little bit pat on the back for that when I picked that upset as well. Um, so. Wyoming was down 17 nothing. came back and won that game in double over, overtime. Kudos to them for a uh, fantastic comeback there. Great victory over a Texas Tech team that a, a lot of people were saying uh, could, could play in the Big 12 championship. So great victory for them. Um, then looking uh, to Lane beating South Alabama as the premier G5 game of the week. Uh, two really good programs there. Uh, Tulane wins 37-17. to Kudos to them. Looks like the Green Wave are the prohibitive favorite at the G5 level this year with that win. Uh, as South Alabama was one of those other teams that a lot of people were thinking could compete for the G5 New Year's Six berth. But wow, Tulane, what a win. And that's a heck of a football team there in New Orleans. Uh, looking at now Ohio State, the question marks there. I didn't have them in the top five of my preseason rankings. Um, and it kind of showed as they won 23-3 at Indiana. Uh, heck of a performance by Indiana's defense. Kudos to them. There might be something there. They, they have some huge questions at quarterback, though. That, 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 that is a huge deficiency that they have. But they held Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ejekbo they're, they're two superstar wide receivers to 34 yards receiving combined. What a performance by Indiana's defense. I got, I, I got to give them all the credit in the world, world there. What a performance. Yes, they lost, but, man, they made Ohio State work for that one. That's for sure. That was a game going into halftime and into the third and fourth quarter, too. I mean, good. Again, Indiana's defense – Looks like they got something. Quarterback play, though, Ooh, it's a it's scary. But Ohio State moving forward, man, I worry. I worry they could lose three games, or 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 more maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. They got Notre Dame coming up soon. Heck, if they look past Western Kentucky, they'll give them a game too. So <clears throat> watch out for that moving forward. Uh, the Washington Huskies are for real. They blasted Boise State, who a lot of people say is the favorite in the Mountain West. I have Wyoming winning the Mountain West. That's who I picked in the preseason to 
beat Boise State. Glad to see them get that victory over Texas Tech. And But got to give Washington a ton of credit, though, as they looked really, really good. They look like a team that could definitely not only win the Pac-12, but make the college football playoff. That is a good football team. Michael Penix Jr. could win the Heisman. What a fantastic performance by the Washington Huskies. Quietly, Caleb Williams, nine touchdowns in two games. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, quietly doing good work. Um, they, yes, their two wins against Mountain West teams, San Jose State and Nevada. Against Nevada, they looked great. San Jose State, the defense had question marks. Now, Nevada's potentially the worst team on their schedule, so we gotta you got to take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, like I said, Kalen Williams, nine touchdowns, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, quietly going under the radar. I think USC is doing a really good job not promoting him too heavily yet because as a reigning Heisman Trophy winner, you don't want to promote him too much too early because then if he has a bad performance, he's just going to drop down the poles drastically. So that's something to watch, doing it quietly there. They open up Pac-12 play this coming Saturday. I'll talk about that momentarily. They host Stanford. So interesting, interesting to watch moving forward for Caleb Williams. Already nine TDs through two games. DJ Uga Ungale, five touchdowns total in their victory yesterday at San Jose State. Who, who, who gave USC a game, I might add? And Oregon State defeated them 42-17. to at their place. So Oregon State's victory over San Jose State was even better than USC's at home. So DJ threw 20 for 25, 239 yards, three touchdown passes. Then he ran for two more touchdowns. They got Damian Martinez at running back, who was the Pac-12 freshman of the year last year. This is a really, really good football team. And Oregon State's getting left out to dry in the conference realignment talks. But moving forward, you got to watch this team. They can win the Pac-12. They absolutely can win the Pac-12. This is a good football team. And I really think DJ Uga Ungale in that offense, he can go under the radar a little bit back on the West Coast. And you, and you saw with Clemson's performance tonight, he, DJ wasn't the problem. DJ wasn't the problem at Clemson. This young man can play some football. And I firmly believe he's going to be in the Heisman conversation moving forward. He's a good football player. And I love him at Oregon State. It's a perfect fit, perfect situation for him. And I think Oregon State is America's team this year. Oregon State and Washington State should be America's team this year as they're the two teams that are left out to dry in this entire realignment talk. Washington State had a huge win at Colorado State. Good for them. They might – the thing is, is – Washington State played at Colorado State, and then Oregon State played at San Jose State. Next year, those could be conference games in the Mountain West, and the Mountain West commissioner was at both those games, which good move by her. That's what she should be doing. Kudos to her because, that's again, that's what she should be doing, uh, being at those games, watching not only your current conference mates, but trying to get those other two. And it seems like there's some real momentum moving in that direction for Washington State and Oregon State to be in the Mountain West. But watch this football team this se- this season moving forward. Oregon State is darn good. 
And DJ Uga Ungale is a really, really good football player. And again, I think we found out today watching Clemson that he wasn't the problem. Um, the game of the week, it was hyped up to be, that's for sure. Uh, but we learned the Florida State Seminoles are for real. And I am I'm putting them number one in my rankings this week. You def- I, I had them at number three in my preseason poll. I had Florida State number three and LSU number four. So obviously I had this as a top four, top four matchup, two great teams. But Florida State absolutely throttled LSU, absolutely destroyed them. Uh, Jordan Travis is could be a Heisman frontrunner. Um, threw for 342 yards, four touchdowns, ran for another touchdown. What a performance by him. Keon Coleman, the transfer from Michigan State, 122 yards and three touchdowns on nine catches. Think about this. Michigan State had Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed as receivers last year. Couldn't even make a bowl game. What's going on at Michigan State? That's that's a discussion for another day. You had two amazing wide receivers, and you couldn't do anything. But back to Florida State. What an absolutely amazing performance by them, especially in that second half. Just absolutely destroyed LSU. And it led to Brian Kelly's coward remarks, to be quite frank, that he made after the game. Um, but kudos, kudos, kudos to the Florida State Seminoles. And uh, like I said, I'm putting them number one. That was an absolutely amazing performance. Again, number one in week two doesn't mean anything, but they passed the eye test, that's for sure. That's a really good football team. So, And then tonight, just a couple hours ago, we saw Duke destroy Clemson. Clemson was up seven to six at halftime. Was outscored twenty-two to nothing in the second half. I I, I thought uh, Riley coming in, changing the Clemson offense would would really change a lot of things for this team. I think we're seeing that that uh, that that wasn't the issue. Um, there there's there's some questions that need to be asked at Clemson. Um, Dabo needs to use the transfer portal. I think that's very apparent. He's been very against it. Um, I, I know there's some people that have questioned their NIL situation. I, I personally think they'll be they're fine there. Uh, but sometimes, as a coach, you got to look in the mirror and say, "It's not about me, and I need to do better." And uh, that 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 seems to be a thing that uh, might need to take place at Clemson, as. Uh, like I said, DJ Uga Ungale wasn't the problem. We've learned that in week one of the uh, 2023 college football season. We've learned that Florida State is really good. And we've also learned that Clemson has some issues. They've lost three out of their past four games. Yes, they won the ACC title last year. But uh, there, there's, there's some issues in Clemson, South Carolina that need to be resolved and resolved quickly as I have them dropping out of my top 25 completely after that performance. That was a rather pitiful pitiful performance, honestly. But kudos to Duke. That's who we really should be talking about in this discussion. Duke looked really good in the second half. Riley Leonard is a fantastic quarterback. What great leadership that they have from the upperclassmen on that roster. 
And then Coach Alco is fantastic. Duke could play for the ACC championship. I mean, I, I think we all see that Florida State's the cream of the crop, but Duke is next in line. Let's be honest. That That is a good football team. They just throttled Clemson, who everybody thought was the next in line. Everybody was saying, oh, Clemson, Florida State, that's going to be the, the ACC title for sure. I said it myself. I did say watch out for Duke, but I never thought it would be like this. That is a darn good football team. Kudos to Duke. What a performance. You, you deserve that one. Great for Duke. If you're looking at three teams of the week, Florida State, Colorado, and Duke, heck of a performance by all three. Uh, diving in now, preview week two. Lots of FCS at FBS action. Obviously, I'm not going to cover any of that. That's I, I'm not going to pick FCS upsets. Of course, you always see one or two a year. We haven't seen one yet. Rhode Island came close against Georgia State. Uh, so I'm, we'll see one eventually. But uh, looking at some of the matchups, I did P5 matchups. Uh, Illinois at Kansas on Friday night, really interesting game. Uh, <coughs> Jaden Daniels. Uh, we'll, we'll be back for Kansas. So with him back, I think Kansas wins that game, even though I'm very high on Illinois. Illinois had a tough game against Toledo. Toledo is very good. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, they only beat Toledo by two on a last-second field goal. To Toledo could run away with the MAC. Toledo and NIU are the two teams in the MAC. Um, but Toledo's good. So, yeah, Illinois has some stuff to figure out. But uh, Daniels at Kansas is electric. He didn't play in their first game. Uh, with him on the field, Kansas is a completely different team. Illinois has got a fantastic defense, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see that game. I think that's an. I'm excited for that game. I think that's going to be a good one. Uh, Vanderbilt at Wake Forest early uh, Saturday morning, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern start, so early start there. Vanderbilt's two and zero, so. This, this is a big game for them. If they if Vanderbilt can get this win, they've set themselves up really well to potentially make a bowl for the first time in quite some time. Uh, but Wake Forest, they're going to come in ready to go too. They're always one of the most prepared teams in college football. So that's, that's an interesting game to watch there. Notre Dame at NC State. Uh, Notre Dame is rolling. They look fantastic. They look like they can make the playoff. NC State struggled against UConn. Uh, I... Of course, with the close work that I do with UConn football, I talked with a lot of NC State fans, and they are worried about this game, that they think Notre Dame could come in and lay the hammer on them. And, and I firmly believe that they can because that, that Notre Dame team, that's a good football team. So two good quarterbacks, though, uh, Sam Hartman and Brandon Armstrong in that game. That will be fun to watch. Utah at Baylor, I already talked a little bit about this game earlier uh, when I was talking about uh, – Texas State's upset of Baylor. Baylor's quarterback, uh, Schappen, is out for a couple weeks, and Utah's going to be ready to go. Uh, Baylor could be in for a rough stretch this year. It's going to be interesting to see. I think their ceiling now is 7-5, and five, and that's being a little generous too, and that's with them losing this football game coming up against Utah. Uh, Troy at Kansas State. This is an interesting game. Kansas State lost at home to Tulane last year. Uh, another one of those uh, 
G5 teams coming in that could, that could be a New Year's Six representative in Troy. They won the Sun Belt last year. They have an amazing defense. That's a game to watch, a potential upset alert there. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kansas State, uh, but Troy's a good football team, so I just want to bring that up, that that could be one of the upsets this week. Uh, you got to talk about Nebraska-Colorado a little bit. I mean, one of the best rivalries out there. Um, great to see that they're playing. Big noon kickoff's going to be there again for Coach Prime, his first home game. The tickets for that game, over $500 just to get in, um, which is crazy to think about. Uh, they're even more expensive than the Lions-Kansas City Chiefs game uh, opening night in the NFL. So crazy to think about that. But, man, Colorado looks good, and I worry for Nebraska here. Yes, Nebraska always seems to play close games. This is a huge rivalry. That, that's a good Colorado football team, guys. Uh, JMU at Virginia. JMU is actually favored by seven. Kind of crazy to think that a Sun Belt team favored on the road at an ACC opponent, but Virginia is is that bad. But it's the first home game at Virginia since the tragic death of three football players last season. Uh, so I felt like that should be talked about. Just uh, kudos to Virginia for what they've been through. And, and yes, the they're going to have an extremely difficult season this year as they're just they're not very good but kudos to the cavaliers and that football program for what they've unfortunately had to go through what they've persevered through though to get to this point so kudos to them but again i could see jmu getting that victory like i said they're they're already favored by a touchdown so interesting to see there uh ranked on ranked matchup old miss at tulane um Really interesting football game there. Ole Miss uh, scored a ton of points, but it was against Mercer. Tulane scores a ton of points. They're really good. And this game is in New Orleans. So first off, kudos to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin for making the trip to New Orleans to play this game. And, and I, I'm hoping Tulane gets this victory just because it would be cool to see <clears throat> G5 over an SEC uh, upset. <clears throat> and it definitely could happen. You got Texas A&M at Miami, uh, two storied programs. Uh, A&M, they both look good in week one, so this could be a much better game than last year. I think it was 17-7 to last year, but I think this is going to be a much better game this year. Uh, I think A&M gets the W. Iowa-Iowa State, big rivalry. Uh, Iowa State won last year, so we'll see how that goes. Iowa needs to put up more points, as we know, for uh, – O.C. Frentz's uh, contract. Uh, Texas at Alabama, ranked on ranked matchup. We all saw it last year. Texas probably would have won the game if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt. Bryce Young was fantastic to end the game, though, as he always, wa always was. Um, Texas has an opportunity to win this game. Didn't look great in week one against Rice, but uh, this is one to watch. This is going to be a really, really good football game. And college game day is obviously going to be there. Uh, fun one, but I do think Alabama gets the victory at home. Cincinnati at Pitt, the first game on the CW, uh, Big 12 versus ACC. Uh, Pitt is a stingy, stingy defense as always. Um, looking, looking forward to seeing them there. Oregon at Texas Tech, this game kind of lost some luster. Fox has it in the evening. Oregon put up 81 points on Portland State. I don't know why. They felt the need to do that, but whatever. 
<clears throat> but Texas Tech losing at Wyoming kind of takes some luster off this game because if they lose this game, Texas Tech is, first off, they're hard to beat at home. That's a really hard place to play in Lubbock. But if they lose this game, they're 0-2. So tough, tough situation there. Wisconsin at Washington State, uh, another uh, big game there. Washington State won in Madison last year. And like I said, Washington State and Oregon State are kind of America's teams this year. So I'm rooting for Washington State in that game just because of the fact that they're getting their, them and their fans are getting left out to dry in the whole realignment talk. Uh, upset opportunity here, Eastern Michigan at Minnesota. Like I've said, we've seen a Mac at Big Ten upset, I believe it's 14 years in a row. Toledo almost did last week or this past week. Uh, Eastern Michigan has the opportunity this week against Minnesota. I could see it happening uh, because Minnesota struggled in that first game. Arizona at, Minis at Mississippi State, we could see a ton of points in this game. Two high-powered offenses. I do think Mississippi State gets the W at home. UCLA at San Diego State. Uh, good opportunity there. Game's on CBS. UCLA looked good week one against Coastal Carolina. I picked that upset for Coastal to win that game, but UCLA held a high-powered Coastal offense to 13 points. Uh, Stanford at USC. Pac-12 game. Um, uh, poor Stanford could get – they could get – just destroyed in this game. USC, that high-powered offense. Um, I, I don't know if Stanford can stop Caleb Williams. Auburn at Cal, this is an interesting game. Um, Auburn with Hugh Freeze, they looked good in game one. Cal, though, won at North Texas. That was a game that I was thinking North Texas could win, and Cal beat them handily, putting up, I believe, 59 points on them. Uh, big, big win. Cal has an opportunity here against Auburn, coming across the country, playing at night. Watch out for that one. Cal could potentially win that football game. And then Oklahoma State at Arizona State, interesting game between two teams that are kind of under the radar. This is the type of Oklahoma State team that could really make some noise nationally. These are the Mike Gundy teams that fly under the radar and do some usually do some good things. So, I'm watch out for Oklahoma State this year. They could be sneaky good. The, like I said, Mike Gundy teams that fly under the radar are usually the best Mike Gundy teams. Uh, a couple of games to look at for upsets. I already told you Troy at Kansas State, Eastern Michigan at Minnesota. Um, JMU is favored by seven at Virginia. Um, Jacksonville State at Coastal Carolina. I'm a big Coastal Carolina fan. I love Grayson McCall. He's one of my favorite players ever. But Jacksonville State's 2-0. Um, 13 half point underdogs coming into this game. Coastal's better, but Jacksonville State's 2-0. So they have some momentum. I, I, I firmly believe Coastal wins this game, but just, just one to look at. UTEP is favored at Northwestern. Uh, how far the, cat, the Wildcats have fallen, my goodness. But UTEP is favored in that game. Miami, Ohio, UMass. Miami, Ohio is favored by over a touchdown. UMass has looked a lot better already this season. Um, Tyson Pumacon, though, uh, hopefully he's healthy for UMass. That that's a game they could potentially get. Uh, as Miami, Ohio looked didn't look very good against Miami, and then Texas State at UTSA. Obviously, Texas State just won at Baylor. UTSA looked bad. At Houston, losing 17 to 14. Frank Harris threw three picks. Texas State is a 
Double-digit underdog. Watch out for that one. It, really, really sneaky uh, Texas State team there. Uh, then before I sign off, uh, two interesting ticket prices to look at. Uh, South Carolina State at Georgia Tech. SeatGeek has a $2 get-in price for that game. Uh, so if you're in Atlanta, that might be one to get to. Then in my neck of the woods, Northwestern. UTEP at Northwestern on uh, Vivid Seats, $3 for 100 level tickets for good seats too uh, just to get into that game. So, I mean, just pretty crazy to think about there. Um, crazy, crazy ticket price there for both of those games. But th what I want to leave you with this week, I was reading a uh, – we were reading a book to my son called Keeping Football in the Family. It's a graphic no novel, uh, like a comic book-esque type of book about football. And uh, – one of the things they talked about at the end, learn about football, Some in, an interesting thing that I did not know. The idea of a huddle in football came from quarterback Paul D. Hubbard. He played from 1892 to 1895. Hubbard was a deaf player, and he was concerned that players on the other team would read his sign language. Then they could adapt to his plays. Gathering his team together in a huddle before each play kept them secret. I did not know that. So I was reading this children's book to my son and to learn something about the huddle and how it came about in the late 1800s. So maybe you guys learned something there. Just thought I should uh, end the show with that really interesting information there. But again, as always, thank you guys so much for listening uh, every week. It's a blessing to be able to do this. Uh, I, I'm, I love being able to talk about college football, love being able to do these visits that I go on to different stadiums and different fan bases and the like. Uh, don't think I'll be going anywhere this week. Uh, as I found out that I have a uh, family birthday party on Saturday. So I know how, how dare anyone have a birthday during football season. Everybody always complains about the weddings, but the birthdays as well, but the, I, I digress. But, uh, <clears throat> again, thank you guys so much for listening, tuning in. It's a, it's a, again, it's a blessing to be able to do this. I love doing what I do. Uh, please like, subscribe. If you ever listen to the podcast, get the podcast, uh, Twitter X account, a follow at TNT College Foot One. Feel free to follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will. You can also find me, find the podcast Twitter account or find the podcast account on Facebook at TNT College Football. Um, on the stunt at TNT College Foot One, the stunt fastest growing sports app out there the best sports app out there absolutely amazing uh what they're doing there and uh please give a rating on spotify where you're listening to the podcast love obviously if you gave it a five-star rating that would obviously means a lot to me but uh, it helps promote the show so again thank you guys so much for tuning in listening again hope everybody has a good week safe travels to everybody out there who's traveling uh, for college football, don't take it for granted. It's a we we love this sport. We love doing what we're doing. But uh, everybody, stay safe. Have a good week. God bless.